What's up, Archons? Welcome to Discourse, your source for the most complete, protective, and caring Keyforge news and discussions on the internet. I'm Joe. And I'm Angelo. And on today's episode, we'll be taking you through what is Keyforge and why is it different from other card games. We'll be recapping our very first Keyforge event. And we're going to talk about the future of Keyforge as we see it. Let's go, Grandma. All right, Joe. So, uh, how have things been going with you? How's your week been? They've been pretty good. Just kind of, you know, trying to temper my, uh, I don't want to say addiction <laughs> and be reductive about addictions, but it's yeah. really feeling like an addiction, yeah. Keyforge lately. Um, but it's healthy. You know, I'm managing. Uh, there's just been a recent restock in Toronto, where yeah, we're from. You, you picked up some decks yesterday. I picked up some decks yesterday. Um, and I know that you're 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 a fan of keeping them sealed, yeah. teasing out the experience of opening decks. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Edging, you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> edging a bit. Uh, but I respect your your decisions. Um, yeah, my partner and I like ripped right through those decks. Sounds uh, like it. We uh, live streamed a friend in um, who is also a KeyForge. Um, avid player yeah as it would as it were um had a great time going through the decks talking about certain synergies um so yeah i mean the restocks you know there's there's decks back in the city and what more could you ask for yeah yeah i agree i think uh this game kind of hit me like a storm you know uh like i i first heard about it like september last year Mm -hmm. and then i put my i was checking i was going through my like uh my emails and my my orders and stuff and i saw that like i put the order in for my first uh box of decks in october yeah that's wild yeah you were just talking about it well what it was like i heard about the game originally from like a podcast that i listened to and it just got me so hyped for it that i was like i need to order like whatever the, oh, yeah whatever they're they'll let me what's yeah. whatever the human <laughs> limit is yeah on these well i thought i i I thought about what the human limit was, and then I'm like, okay, what's reasonable from that? So it's like, right. okay, one deck display sounds like, which is 12 decks for everyone listening. Um, I thought that was a good amount to order. Uh, I got those in December, so it took like maybe like a month, a month and a half to get them. Right. And that's when we actually started playing. So we've been playing for like almost like two months now, right? Yeah. It has Doesn't it been two like months? No, like that's it, right? wild. Well, when I think about the first time we played, uh, together with our other best friend. Yeah. That was like mid-December, I think. Right. Like right when the break was starting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it dropped. Now it's ready it dropped in public in November. November. Late November. November. Yeah, late November. So, the perfect timing. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Flight Games and Team. Good strategy. Yeah, yeah good they really strategy. the holiday uh, sales. What I think is so interesting about that is, you know, we're avid, you know, not avid, but we're, we, we kickstart yeah, things. I kickstarted uh, that uh, thing right yeah, there. Yeah. The keyboard. <laughs> you just kickstarted a keyboard, yeah. a beautiful keyboard. We're not gonna, get uh, into you know, that. get into that. <laughs> you know, they're not paying us no. to talk about that. Yeah, but it's a great keyboard. Thanks. Uh, um, but you know, I've kickstarted a bunch of uh, board games. I know. Um, yeah. As a tabletop player, and I don't want to say I've been burned, but I've definitely... Had less than ideal yes, results. Yes, results, um, because you don't know what you're going to get into. In yeah. um, Keyforge, like, you know, we got the accolades of Richard Garfield, mm, Fantasy Flight Games, 
you expect the product to be you know top notch they got a lot of competitive games going um but when you were talking about it and i i knew like okay this is probably gonna be cool the concept you didn't know what you were in for really. no i had no idea the concept of randomly generated decks i'm like okay yeah that's pretty interesting you know the different houses richard garfield and 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 teams like you know magnificent uh brains behind uh everything going into this yeah and then i came over that one day um you let me open a deck, so kind of you really that was... really get me hooked on on all the aspects of what makes Keyforge so great. Right. Well, well, that's just like my approach to this game in general because I feel like this is the the optimal way to play it to get the most fun out of it is whenever you sit down with somebody to play, you get a brand new experience. Right. That's why I think the yeah. sealed experience is like the best, maybe the best experience in Keyforge. But yeah, maybe yeah. maybe not the. Uh, most competitively balanced no, experience, not. but I got my uh, rear end handed to me like thoroughly the yeah. first couple times I played with the- talking yeah. about your butt. Yeah, talking about my butt. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that no, it's so true. Um, yesterday, so the experience. I don't know. My experience has been so fantastic. Uh, obviously, having a lot of like close friends buy into the game. Uh, thank you for getting us all on this on the key forge trade to the crucible right um and uh and i but like i was i I wasn't even ready to be committed to the game and think like how am i going to integrate this new hobby yeah it felt like a big new hobby it felt like oh yeah you know we've been doing tabletop games for for almost a decade now but but thinking how are you going to take on a whole new set of you know, there's an investment there too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure, you can play with a small, you know, just just one deck, which is absolutely the beauty of the game. But you know, you want to play with another person, and then maybe you want a bit of variety. So then, you know, you're you're you you spend a bit more. But uh, I know we talked about this before, like the idea of being able to opt in at the incre- increments that you want, right. rather than, you know, a big, you know, thinking about video games and, you know, no shade to video games, but you, your video games are not expensive Yeah. either. They're, you know, an $80 buy-in. You need, like, online more often than not to get to get that experience, and then plus DLC. Yes. And that's just not an experience that, that seems user-first, you yeah. know, user-centric. I, I think it's fair to say that most hobbies are much more of a commitment, either time-wise or financially, than Keyforge is. Um, yeah. When, that's part of why we love the game. Uh, that's actually going to be one of our main topics today. Um, but maybe right now, uh, why don't we just kind of give people a breakdown of what our content is going to be like on this podcast and what we're going to be covering. So I think in general, yeah. we're just going to be talking about all things Keyforge. So we're going to be covering any news that drops. Um, we also are very interested to do um, deck evaluations and even just covering how to think about evaluating a deck in general, how to break it down into its component parts and see um, mm-hmm. what works with what, what kind of synergies there are, um, and what you want to, yeah, get, getting into deeper things as well, like mulligans and the meta, and what mm-hmm. kind of decks do you want to bring to uh, tournaments? Essentially, everything we talk about when the mics are <laughs> <laughs> mics are off. Yeah, because we've been talking about this stuff anyway, so it might twenty four seven. Yeah, and we want to bring some um, awesome content to you folks because we know you uh, probably want it as badly as we do. So, um, yeah, no, that's the definitely um, what people can expect. Um, 
is uh, kind of a weekly drop um, uh, of, of, of the episodes wherever you find podcasts, uh, however you get them. Um, you can find us at Dis- Discourse Keyforge. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram to get those sweet, sweet updates. So perfect. So why don't we give uh, people just a little summary of like who we are as gamers and kind of where we come from, from the gaming background side of things. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, Keyforge, uh, and I, we've been reminiscing about this a bit, yeah. it's, you know, since, what, elementary school, Yeah, we... Uh, first got into what was the first game like pokemon or something yeah i'd probably say pokemon pokemon was the storm yeah. that uh that came to ever i imagine everyone's um schools at yeah. the time or wherever they were yeah when we pokemon grew up in the, in the 90s so that was kind of the, our time our yeah era. yeah exactly and so pokemon was cool uh that was way before we understood uh you know deep strategy sort of, yeah. meta meta <laughs> wasn't a word that existed yeah. um to us um, and so yeah i think that was our first experience tabletop outside of you know yeah. go fish that wasn't um, even on tables no it wasn't on that tables was like it was on, on the, the floor it was on the playground floor playground floors yeah. exactly grass wherever we could get our fix yeah. at the time um but obviously uh, not being able to support that kind of hobby as children but then you know um Digimon came into the fold, and then Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, which Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, was the kind of like the big one that drew us in. Yes, exactly. The um, they really did a well. So Pokemon existed as a cartoon, and then and then they had the card game to complement right. it. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! was like, let's take that one step further. <laughs> and like <laughs> the cartoon, the anime is actually about, about the card, the card game. game. So meta when you it's think about it. So genius, yeah. and I I remember loving that, like eating yeah. it up. It's like yeah, oh, I loved it. Bridge the gap between those, and it, it, yeah. it was like the anime version of what you wish your life was. You know, exactly. With card games. Oh my gosh, and so. Yu-Gi-Oh was providing that incredible experience. Yeah. I remember we would, and for any Yu-Gi-Oh players out there, and I, I, I was uh, just in our local hobby shop um, here in Toronto, and someone else, you know, I the key, Yu-Gi-Oh is still going strong. Yeah, so is Pokemon. Is, actually. Yeah, and so is Pokemon, and so that's that's amazing. I yeah. I love that, but I'd like to think we started it. Yeah, I think wrong. so too, for sure. Um, it it's beautiful to see that you know a hobby. Uh, with you know a specific game can can last that long but it's yeah. also just wild to think back um as a kid you know at a young age we were it's not even like we had other more you know mature um people in our lives facilitating this we were just getting into it and then we somehow before the internet were going to tournaments and finding yeah. local meetups and um you know playing together and yeah we actually used to go to tournaments like right after church yeah <laughs> right after church we just shout outs like, to right after church yeah my yeah. dad just drives down to the tournaments like literally right after yeah just like all right gotta get through church so that i can get to this tournament like, <laughs> yeah it's worth it yeah um what a what a wild yeah and those are some of the best well, the best memories for sure um, but um and what so for that to of... Sorry, so I was going to say, and for that to kind of come back full circle now um, is just... Oh, it's great. But yeah, thank you again. I can't thank Richard Garfield enough for his existence and Fantasy Flight Games for 
uh, all the work that they've put in and making this game yeah like incredible so um yeah so i mean obviously we played a bunch of other board games joe probably even more so than myself um having kickstarted like you said like a ton a yes Yes. Too many for you to even keep. I think you got rid of some of them. I mean, I've I've always loved uh, just like just like you have getting people into it, um, yeah. getting that that visceral you know face to face experience like like all of us uh, tabletop gamers love. Um, I spent more time kind of we fell out of Yu Gi Oh. You stayed in it for a, a longer period of yeah. time. My older brothers actually played Magic the Gathering, yeah. Um, but it felt like we were in this weird kind of in between space where it didn't, you know, we, we were kind of secluded from it within our bubble and circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brothers didn't really play it that much, and Yu Gi Oh was in full effect. So yeah. having two card games didn't make sense at that point in time. Yeah, I think we kind of missed the boat a little bit on Magic. That kind of was the generation before us. Yeah, totally. You know? But I, but I always respected it from afar. Yeah, and obviously it really was the impetus for all the other card games that came after it absolutely um and inspired a lot of them so the 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 god father as it were the garf father the garf father so true um but so yeah with that why don't we uh jump right into keyforge and just talk about it in general uh what it is what we like about it um and why we think it's different than those other card games that we played in, in the past yeah, absolutely. So Keyforge is an addiction. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem, yeah. honestly. Um, no, I mean... Well, let's describe it a bit. So Keyforge, uh, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, but it's, it's basically a unique deck game. Um, and so in Keyforge, you don't buy individual cards or packs and, and build your own deck. In, in no fact, deck building involved. Yeah, there's absolutely zero deck building at all. Um, and so you buy a deck... And it's procedurally randomly generated for you, um, with a then, sweet name. With a sweet, yeah, a and randomly generated name. A super offensive name that gets banned from play, but yes. it's a whole other thing. Yeah, um, and so basically, the the decks are always going to be something new. And whenever you sit down to play with a new deck, you're going to be playing something you've never experienced before. Um, and that, for me, is is something that's so cool about this game because having played so much Yu-Gi-Oh! and other card games, you eventually get to a point in those games where matches really start to resemble all the other ones you played, where you know exactly what your opponent's going to bring to the table, you yeah. know what kind of decks are going to be popular, you know what you know what to expect. Exactly. And after a while, that kind of gets boring. Um, and, you know, uh, I think as human beings in general, we, we crave those novel experiences we crave those kind of new and different things right we're, we're pattern machines and we love to see those patterns broken we love to be surprised yeah. to see something new right and i i think about this weirdly makes me think about like babies you know and you think babies <laughs> yeah. are like the very most primal native form of human beings it's like whenever you show a baby something new or like they didn't expect their reaction is always so like amused you know yeah. and they laugh and they like shout and like yeah they're very entertained by that and i think that speaks to kind of like a core essence of of who we are as people yeah absolutely keyforge definitely makes you feel like, like a, a baby. newborn baby yeah. yeah yeah that's that's it yeah that's it that's how i got sold on it <laughs> but so yeah what do you like about it joe so i think that i mean that captures a lot of it obviously uh i mean on the outside of just playing the game um the experience of the fact that it's randomly generated uh, means that 
the deck that you're holding, the deck that you get, um, there's even a gift-giving element of it that mm-hmm. we definitely experience. And I think that if they thought about this part, you geniuses, um, <laughs> where this is unique. Yeah. No matter what, this is the only one of this that exists. Yeah. And to be able to create that, you know, I remember like going, uh, reading, um, the meta strategies and discussions on forums uh, for Yu-Gi-Oh! And we talk about, like, okay, you need these certain cards, um, and you might not have them, so you need to buy packs, or you need to find the card somehow, or spend, you know, an exorbitant amount just to add this card that's that's super uh, important or powerful, uh, or meta. And for anyone who um, doesn't know what the term meta means, um, you know, it's essentially what makes uh what what people will gravitate towards in terms of a strategy um that people think uh is strong what's most competitive right what's most competitive exactly um so keyforge does an amazing job of throwing a wrench in that normal uh collectible card game uh deck building card game um you know feeling where uh, and, and I've heard this, you know, from so many other places, you will see the same things. Yeah. And in this, you, you just don't. And even if, uh, if, even if you have 10 decks in front of you and each deck is made up of three of the different houses, houses. Uh, three, three of seven different houses, um, you know, I marvel at, oh my gosh, like I'll have, you know, 10 decks with the house Mars in it, uh, the aliens. And the ways that those, you know, that set of 12 cards on the, on the House Mars play is different from the other decks that I have with House Mars. Yeah. Not just the cards individually, but also how they interact with the rest of the houses. Right, yes. Um, so there is just so much kind of exploration and a sense of adventure uh, to be found in it. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the elements. And I what's amazing for that is, you know, as for, for you and I, mm-hmm. as as big nerds, um, it's easy for us to get caught up in the lore and and, and you know, e- e- eat that up. Yeah. yeah. And um and get excited about metagame and excited about the competitive aspects and you know, and temper that. But it's super validating when I can bring in my partner to play the game who basically has you know no background no no pedigree or, yeah, yeah no she has no pedigree in uh, competitive gaming right. uh, by any means um she likes she you know she she really loves board games she likes being competitive yeah um but you know uh at the same time she you know she loves fantasy stuff like that which is which is uh, definitely helpful for kind of the the flavor of the game but ultimately I think there's the, the the simplicity of the rules and how easily they lend themselves to a new gamer, mm-hmm. um, and that it's complex. But the decision making that you need to be uh, worrying about from turn to turn is is just you know whatever's in your hand and yeah. what's in front of you. It's not oh you know is my whole deck built properly or what is in your deck that I need to worry about. All you need to worry about is how am I going to play right now. Yeah. And anything that's being captured. The thing that really um, stuck out to me when I first started 
playing keyboard and realizing exactly what the game was was how um, not limited it was in its gameplay. Like the game, the core gameplay mechanics and the rules for playing are very, um, very few. You know, and once you get them down, you understand how you can play the game. But beyond that, it's basically up to you how you want to play the game. There's no limit to how many cards you can play in a turn. There's no limit to the order or sequencing in which you have to play things. Mm-hmm. And so it really is kind of like a completely free, open experience for you to define um, by your deck and by your playstyle. So that to me is, is very different than than any other card game where it's like I have these certain um, actions that I have to do in this specific order. And so I think when you have more rigid uh, gameplay mechanics or flows, um, the game kind of plays itself in a, in, a, in a way. Yeah, it's true. You're it's just you, hoping that you get the right draws. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more based on draws and what you have in your deck um, than, than it is on decision. Obviously, decisions come into play. Right. But if you had a really good deck, it kind of is very evident to you how is best to play it right you know when to play what so yeah absolutely like taking that uh that newborn baby analogy yeah one it's wow i've never seen this before right and you know you you look you read the card you get the flavor text the the imagery it's like wow all of these are great i'm loving uh just this experience right but then what you're saying about freedom yeah that's the part that i think unlocks the creativity Mm -hmm. of the player like I'll often, you know, be playing the game and look at my hand and look at the board. And, and yesterday we were, uh, Corinne and I, my, my partner and I were streaming for a friend, uh, just doing <laughs> a, a little stream. personal live stream and, and they were, you know, doing some commentary. And I'd look at my hand and, and what's out there and think, okay, here's what I might do, but how, what would someone else play? Like, what decision would they yeah. make? The fact that that's not clear. Like, there's no, like, I couldn't ask you what's the best possible move. Right. Because you'd be thinking, well, what if I want to set up set up for this next turn? What if I want to gain an advantage right now? What if I want to mitigate um, this problem that my opponent's got? Mm-hmm. So many different options and strategies to apply, not just in a game, but per hand. Yeah. And to feel ownership over that is so empowering. That's uh, that's that's that I don't think has been captured in another card game uh, for me personally, or and I think that that you know that's part the random generation, and that's part the fact that the way that the game plays uh, that you can have three potential um, delineating or branching paths yeah. each hand. It's you know you pick your house. Who am I going to activate on this turn, and whose powers are, am I going to use, and how am I, you know, how will that affect the board? Yeah, those those like in-game decisions, like turn to turn, are are so important. It's like choose your own strategy, yeah. or choose choose your own adventure, yeah, really, exactly. per game. Um, so the way I generally look at Keyforge is, that I think it's a very simple game, and I don't mean that in a like you know, negative uh, connotation. Mm -hmm. What I mean is it's very simple to understand. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that in, like, your experiences with uh, your partner um, and just the other people that we've seen getting into this game, right? It's it's not the typical 
people who, or it's not just the typical people who have been playing card games their whole life. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's everybody. Um, and I think that comes from that simplicity. Um, but at the same time, as you're saying, it still spurs that like creativeness in you and, and the possibilities are pretty much infinite. Yeah. Um, I think I was reading like the Keyforge product page on FFG's website today and they said there's something like 104 quadrillion possible decks. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. Is it about. Quadrillion? I, quadrillion? I So they, they, they lay out the number, yeah. you know, in numerical form. Yeah. And I don't even know how many zeros are in it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't But I know that we're not even close. With the number of decks that have been registered to date on, like, the vaults, yeah. um, it's not even close to that number, right? Yeah. So there's a lot more Keyforge to be seen. And in addition, you know, we'll get uh, into this a bit later with looking forward, but there's going to be more to come, right? So the Ugh. game is only going to get bigger. Ugh. Um. But yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good rundown of what Keyforge is and what makes it different than other games. Um, so why don't we get to our next topic, which is talking about our very first uh, tournament that we went to Ooh. just this past week uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, me and Joe went down to not our local game store, but one that's uh, a bit further out, but like an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, it was an Archon event. It was a chain bound event. So we brought our best um, decks, and we're basically... So, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, there are a couple different stores running a couple different styles of game, uh, but the, as far as I know, the ones uh, supported by Fantasy Flight Games, kind of official, there are two styles, Archon and Sealed. Yep. Archon being you bring your own deck, um, and you play with it, and Sealed being you go in... Uh, and as part, of, yeah, as part of your tournament fee, they give you a deck that you've never seen before, and everyone gets a random deck, um, and you play with that, which is super exciting. We haven't experienced that yet, but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Um, so just very broadly, what was your experience like at that tournament? Well, so I think I should start kind of from 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 the beginning and kind of my mindset going like, into it age 14 yeah like, so yeah yeah back? exactly age 14 i knew that i was training to become a forge <laughs> archon master yeah no um essentially you know what i have a scattered kind of experience with tournaments i've gone, I've gone to Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments and uh, competitive play in general yeah i have this really horrible trait of feeling bad about winning about winning yeah I don't Why know. I don't know if we ever that? talked about this, but because like it's it, it yeah, winning sucks, man. No, it's winning worst. is the worst. It's, uh, oh man, it's so really funny well. because I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's a card game or what it is, but I I feel like oh, this was like a luck based thing, and I like like keeping <laughs> keeping keeping a. a, a a battle kind of competitive so if i kind of blow out the person i, I feel bad all that to say uh i have like a, a a weird experience with uh competitive card game tournaments especially like and this is just a personal thing this is not something i expect anyone to, to experience ever okay. um and also knowing that you know coming from the deck building games of yore where you know you know whether or not or you 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 were told, I guess you know what I mean. Whether or not your your deck was how far away it is from what people are considering the most powerful decks. Okay. Um, 
and that kind of threw kind of a, a wrench in 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 how I felt about you know the balance and competitive equality in a tournament. Are we coming back around to this event though? Yeah, absolutely, okay. <laughs> absolutely. And so going into this, I was really excited and not really worried at all about winning. Yeah, um, which is. I think a, an amazing element of, of of this game that it's created. It's like going to see new decks, seeing like even getting pummeled by another deck <laughs> is you know it's 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 better to win. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's way not better great to win to get completely blown out in a game. But but to see you know how another person plays a deck that looks nothing like yours, yeah. or you know you have some elements yeah. in common, and uh, and and seeing you know combos being played and. Um, just and and you know you trying your best with your deck yeah. against those synergies like that in of itself was something I was super excited about yeah and, and I, I guess I want to frame that in um, you know uh, on on forums and stuff like that a lot of people do discuss the meta and what houses are best and what makes a good deck and all that stuff and uh, I was really excited about not really worrying about that and, right. and playing some interesting play styles. Yeah, so I think we, we both went into the event with kind of the same mindset, which was like, we just wanted to go there and have fun, right? And to see what the tournament scene was like. Yeah. Um, and to see how many people came out, like what kind of decks were being run, uh, just trying to get a, a kind of get a lay of the land. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah, overall positive experience though like you, you enjoyed it and everything. oh entirely positive okay. um everything everyone yeah. was super great yeah um there was it, it was really cool to go there you know we, we we met everyone um everyone was so so nice um as expected yeah but i don't know i don't even know if you're gonna say as expected really right? you yeah think about other card games and you think about the kind of people who come out to tournaments and it's usually the more competitive minded players that's right? true yeah so they're not necessarily going to be the most friendly like obviously can be but it's like they're there to win right so that doesn't na- naturally lend itself to being your friend right um so i was actually quite surprised, surprised. i agree with you that everybody there was incredibly friendly yeah. So, yeah and uh i mean i'd love to hear uh from other people listening to uh to this right now what their experience has been oh, kind definitely. of on like uh, a friendly competitive um you know yeah competition definitely can make people want to uh be less than amicable <laughs> yeah competition sure. can sometimes bring out the worst in people yeah unfortunately but and i think keyforge is special in, in that it tempers that and you really have a fun time playing yeah even when you're because you know like losing doesn't always feel like just yeah. losing you're just you're doing your thing and they're doing theirs and yeah. it's exciting to watch um one really cool uh kind of element of it was when we got there um i was like oh how's the kind of experience been you know how long have you been running this and it'd been running for almost since launch yeah um at uh at this the shop and so this is talking to the the organizer yeah I was, I, was, I was speaking to the organizer jay uh who was also really great and they were uh, and I asked, like, so, like, you know, uh, what's been winning? Yeah. Like, what's, is there, is, is, the, is the meta, <laughs> like, a real thing? And so, what's the breakdown? And there was uh, a, a person there named Alan, and he had, yeah. uh, he had won every week, I believe. Yeah. Um, Do you know how many weeks that, that is? That yeah, I think it was at least, like, four weeks wow. that they've okay. been running. Uh, I mean, 
they had been running a couple seals and a couple archon, and he said he was. In, uh, I we spoke with Alan uh, quite a bit during the tournament, but um, he, he was saying that he played a lot more sealed, but he had won the last one um, with this uh, or the last two with the same deck, mm-hmm. and he was bringing it that week, and so we were gonna experience this um, really consistent deck. And uh, he also said that he took it on to Crucible Online, the kind of free online version of Keyforge, right. and it had a 90% win rate. That's and so, crazy. like, at that point, I was like, so this is, <laughs> this is like, that, this that, is the guy to be, yeah, the desperado you know? of the place who yeah. I need to kind of sort of be worried about. I wasn't worried, but, like, um, he was definitely the, yeah, yeah, dog yeah, there. he was the top right. dog, and he was setting, he was setting, uh, like, you know, there's that there's that excitement of knowing like who's the who's the best in the yeah. room, yeah, and then how, fun. how you're gonna fare against them, yeah, and anticipating matching up with them, right? That's right, and yeah. How the game goes. Spoiler alert: <laughs> I got destroyed in your game with Alan. <laughs> yeah, I got destroyed in my game with Alan. But um, you know, the the other element of the the that 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 was a really like high note for me was so many different types of players. So yeah. the first person I played against um, was an awesome awesome guy named Paul and he was like uh, uh you know and during the day um a head brewer for uh for for a local brewery yeah um and I was like oh that's awesome that's like so cool. like who who would I expect to be playing this game yeah and it's like it could be anyone but that was really awesome because I actually been drinking love the, the <laughs> that beer uh company but yeah. um and he's like this is my first game I learned it on the way here, but I played Magic Gathering for for a number of years, like uh, way back when. Okay, um, it's kind of like an older veteran player coming back into it now. Yeah, exactly. One last job, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so that was just like great to kind of experience that, to experience it with him for the first time, to um, you know do some card clarifications on the go, yeah. um, and then also you know secretly I was like yes. My first opponent has <laughs> pretty much never played the game before. <laughs> this this is in my favor, I think. Yeah, yeah, this is in my favor, exactly. Yeah. Um, then I played the second match, and it was against you. Was I your second match? Yeah. No, that can't be. Yeah, you were my second match. Are you sure? Yeah. It was the second match. Okay. So I won I, one. I you won yours. You were, okay. I thought you were my... Yeah, you're right. It was second match. Okay. Right. So, and we were kind of sad about that, because yeah. I would have uh, liked to have seen you in the finals. To be honest, though, um, it was not like a huge tournament. There was like 10 of us, maybe. Right. So, it was par for the course, I think. Yeah, it was, it, it's expected or very probable that we would have matched up at some point. So, yeah. Especially yeah. at Swiss Rounds, so it's just everyone was playing everybody. Right, that's fair. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you beat me, uh, and then... Uh, we got it was great in Swiss. You get to keep playing, yeah. so it didn't feel like you were out. Everyone got to play each other. Um, some people were, you know, had a lot more experience. Some people didn't. Yeah, but it was for, a good mix. Yeah, it was a good mix. But for the most part, it didn't. Again, as much as the decks, it didn't feel like it was. There was a huge disparity between your ability to be competitive mm-hmm. or not, either based on deck or experience. Yeah. Like, there's moments that it came close uh, in each games, and so for that, that's definitely something that would that 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 has gotten me excited to get out there, to go to local meetups, to play in more tournaments, um, just for the 
just knowing that I'm not pigeonholed into, you know, bottom ranks yeah. because of my deck. Or because I'm a new player or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Like, that's one thing about this game is that nothing about it feels um, prohibiting, you mm-hmm. know? There's nothing that's like, oh, I'm never going to be good because I don't have this one card that costs, like, 50 bucks or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, I have a random deck, and maybe it's good, maybe it's not, and maybe I just have to learn how to play it. Yeah. But either way, I know I can have a fun time playing against anybody else um, and potentially be competitive with it, too. So, yeah, I think I I also had, like, a really good experience. Um, I ended up coming second, which I definitely did not anticipate going into there. Right. Um, And I don't even know, honestly, how that happened, because uh, the deck... I guess maybe we should talk about the decks we brought or like what kind of prep we we did going into the tournament because um, we had played like beforehand but obviously we didn't like meet up the night before and test strategies or anything like that like you would for a for for a tournament for a tournament right. yeah uh, we just kind of like went there um, but the deck I played that night uh, I had only played one other time mm-hmm. I had literally because I, I mentioned that I bought a, a deck display. Um, right off the bat for this game and I had the last two decks sealed um, kind of waiting to introduce a new friend to the game right and so it was the weekend before the Tuesday tournament that I finally cracked those open and played got to play with them Um, and the deck that I opened I don't know what it was about it but I just had such a a good game uh, with that friend of mine and like I enjoyed playing the deck so much that I was like I need to play this even though I had been up to that point in time, practicing with a different deck. Yeah, you were in love with the other deck. Yeah, I I had, like, you know, written notes about it and everything, like, knew what I was looking for in mulligans with this other deck. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I played uh, this this newer deck, I just, I knew it was uh, what I wanted to play. So I ended up taking that to the tournament, and obviously it worked out pretty well. Um, but, so, what about the deck that you brought? Because I know that you really like that one, too. Right. So, um, not wanting to dig too much into the meta right now, um, the deck that uh, I brought was a Logos Sanctum Untamed deck. And the reason why I had loved it, uh, it had a lot of great cards in each house. Yeah. Um, But specifically, it it had Epic Quest. Epic Quest. (laughs) Uh, Epic Quest, for anyone who doesn't know, is a Sanctum artifact and essentially what happens is when you play it onto the board uh, on play it says archive any friendly night creatures yeah so you can archive yeah so so uh ideally you'd want a couple knights out there and then you play um epic quest out and then they'll go into your archive and then on any subsequent turn you can sacrifice epic quest and if you've played seven Sanctum cards, you can forge a key at no cost. Right. Um, so basically, the initial effect allows you to save up Sanctum cards for later. That's right. And then the secondary effect, when you sacrifice it, means if you played seven Sanctum cards that turn, you then forge a key. Yep. Immediately. Exactly. Um, and, and we all know how um, strong an ability uh, is, uh, especially... Um, when uh, cards can steal your ember, to be able to forge a key Instant forge. instantly yeah. uh, without waiting for that secondary turn. Those uh, are some of the most powerful effects in the game. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. Anyway. 
Yeah, and we'll definitely dig way more into this meta um, <laughs> in another um, episode. But uh, I loved the idea of that card. Um, it had really great synergy with Logos because Logos generally as a house uh, has a lot of draw card of effects on their cards. So, um, I, and Untamed uh, is, is just a great house all around. Um, but Logos pairing with Epic Quest, so if I can get a bunch of cards in my hand, yeah. then uh, I can get Epic Quest off um, and play those seven Sanctum cards and, and forge a key and complete the Epic Quest <laughs> and feel like and it's epic. a hero. Yeah, it's yeah. super epic. So so in summary, basically, the deck you chose to bring, you brought because you really loved this card in it. And yes. Like it made you feel great to play it and it was fun playing it and trying to get it off yeah. even though it's it's not the easiest thing to do when you did it you were like elated right like, yeah exactly it would it definitely would not be considered meta yeah by uh by people and uh i, I played up against alan uh in the my third round alan and was the, the basically the reigning champ the reigning champ at the time yeah continued yeah. and uh he's like he beat me pretty uh pretty handily but he was like well i've never seen anyone get epic quest off so <laughs> that's pretty impressive so you got well so you got epic quest off against alan yeah i didn't know that yeah well, i did i did uh and honestly it well what i was telling you was yeah. before the tournament i'm like if i can get epic quest off in every game yeah. then that's a win for yeah. me and so that's such a cool approach Right, and so yeah. that was that was enough. Just to, just to, I was I wasn't there to, to win. Yeah, I wasn't there to forge keys. I was there to complete my quest, yeah. get as many epic quests as possible. Yeah, that's that makes me think. Um, because another kind of uh, type of game that we used to play is like fighting games. Mm-hmm. We were really big into Street Fighter at one point yep. in our lives. Um, and you know how there are, are in in fighting games and in Street Fighter there are like specialist players, right? Who only play one specific character. Right, even if they're not... Not very uh, good. Yeah, exactly. But they can do, because they're so specialized and have practiced uh, that character so much, they can bring that character to another level that maybe a lesser player would not be able to compete with. Right. Um, And so that just makes me think of that, where it's like, you're the Epic Quest specialist, potentially, right? I know, yeah. And so... (laughs) I only play decks that have Epic Quest in them. That's a common thing for me, too, in in how I choose kind of play styles when I'm I'm either choosing characters or or deck types or any kind of strategies. I love going for... I wouldn't even call it an underdog strategy. I like going for something kind of weird and off base and maybe a little gimmicky. Something special. Yeah, just, just for... Just for the just for the 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 factor yeah. of like I can't believe they're playing this yes, deck. Exactly. I can't believe they're using this character. It's like the Exodia feeling from Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, right? from it's Yu-Gi-Oh. like five pieces of Exodia. Yeah. Like, so for for anyone who doesn't know uh, what Exodia is, I think everybody. Does, yeah, everyone so should know. You know, if you're listening to this, but uh, Exodia in in Yu Gi Oh was five cards. Um, and if you had them in your deck and you had them in your hand all at once, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, you could only have five cards in your hand. No, you get you a six. Have, oh, well, you can draw up to any amount of cards. Oh, right, have. but you—it's hard to have five at all times. Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the turn you have to discard if you have over a certain number. But the idea, basically, with Exodia is if you have those five cards in your hand at any point in the game, you instantly win the game. Right. Um, which is an incredible win condition. Not very practical. Yeah, not easy. Very to get. difficult to pull off. But what you're saying is those are the kind of 
off the wall strategies that you like yeah, going for. That's that's definitely that's definitely me. You can, you can definitely <laughs> find me trying those strategies and. Um, I think a lot of players like that, though. Yeah. I yeah, they and they as they should and, and Keyforge lends itself to off the wall strategies. Yeah, uh, there are synergies in some decks that you you just never even seen before and. Um, I definitely want to talk about one on another episode. Yeah, we'll definitely get uh, uh, hasn't been deeper into decks of, yeah. in later <laughs> episodes. Um, but for right now, getting back to the tournament, I think uh, just to speak again to the general atmosphere of it, I thought it was just so casual, you know? Like, everybody was super nice. Um, everyone who I think was there, it's not like this deck has been, I mean, this game has been around for years, right? It's, it's literally been out for maybe two months now. Yeah. So most of the players are still learning uh, like how to play the game and what all the cards are in the game. I had like naively thought that prior to the event I'd be able to go through all the cards and like know what every card was I in the game. I thought that too, yeah. And I just did not have time for that. I, I'm sure it's possible and like over time we will learn what mm-hmm. all the cards are until they release new ones. But I don't even think that's necessary to, to compete or even to just have fun with the game. Um, I actually kind of enjoy when I'm playing somebody and they play a card that I had no idea existed, right? Yeah. And that's still very much happening now. Well, I mean, and think about, uh, sure, there's value to knowing possibilities yeah. uh, if you want to go into that depth. But uh, to your point of not needing to know that, right? if if your opponent on a turn um, can play, you know, almost you know an infinite number of cards depending on what kind of combination they have mm-hmm. from different three different houses and all of those do different effects and would interact in different ways your ability to really foresee what could happen to you on the next turn is is pretty limited it is especially it is. if you don't know what there was in their deck originally if you're just saying going by the house and what could be in there yeah there's so many there's such a range and spectrum of different effects per house um that even trying to kind of plan for those things is um it's probably great, but I bet you'll be surprised, you know, yeah. how, you know, eight times out of ten on what, what actually happens. And so, like, even in the event that we were playing at, it was um, it was a chain-bound event. I don't know if this is unique to chain-bound events, but um, basically you were allowed to ask to look at your opponent's deck list, right? Mm-hmm. But even with that, I would say that... So I got... I finished second in the tournament. I lost to Allen in the finals. Right. Or in the, at the final round. Um, and I had looked, we had both looked at each other's deck list prior to that and noted like, you know, what are the main cards I have to look out for? Bait and, one and of switch? Them, yes, of course. Bait and switch, for those of you who don't know, is a very infamous card right now in the community because people think it's very powerful, which it is, um, to be determined if it's, you know, absurdly powerful mm-hmm. that it needs to get changed or something needs to happen. But basically what the card says is if your opponent has more amber than you, you steal one. And then if your opponent still has more amber than you, you repeat that effect. And so it basically splits the difference um, of amber between you and your opponent. Right. So potentially it could net you, you know, like four plus amber to steal from your opponent. Right. Which is huge. Huge swing. Um, yeah, a huge swing in momentum. So, um, of course, both me and Alan had bait and switches in our decks. And I saw that when I was looking at his deck list. I was like, okay, got to watch out for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So during the course of the game... I was almost playing too cautiously around bait and switch, yeah. you know? I was there was points in which I could generate a lot more amber than I did on a turn, but I was like if I go that far above um 
whatever ember he's at, I'm going to lose that much more to bait and switch. And so I, I was like, no, I'm going to forego that plan to generate all this amber. Instead, I'm going to do something less optimal. Right. Um, which, in the end, Alan like, picked up his deck after uh, I conceded, and he's like, oh, bait and switch is at the bottom of my deck. And I'm like, <laughs> hit in my hands. Like, I was playing around the wrong thing that entire time. That's hilarious. Um, which I think is a, you know, I'll just very quickly touch on this because we don't want to get too deep into the meta, but I think bait and switch is obviously a very powerful card, but it is just one card, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of those cards that's limited to one per deck. And so playing around it at all times, I don't think that's necessarily the the best strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess just to, just to yeah, quickly touch on that, if you generate lots of Ember um, and your opponent does play bait and switch, you'll actually both end up at a high amount of Ember yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and also, you know, I had a quick discussion playing uh, with our other friend, Osman. Um, you know, he said, well, what am I going to do? Not generate Ember? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's the point of the game. The, yeah, that's how you win the game is generate Ember for right. keys. And so I think that's a great point where... And another, you know, I'm sure coming back to the praise of this game is the game is about how you want to play. Yeah. You're playing your plan. You're right? playing your game, your plan... You decide whether, uh oh, my plan's not working. We need to switch, or yeah. you know what? I'm going to commit to this and yeah. hope it works out. Yeah, that's those are the those. That's probably you know, in a very nutshell, the beauty of playing this game. It's yeah. like, tell me how you want to play it. Show me how you'd play it and do it. That's amazing. Yeah, and you know, noting like the characteristics of Alan's playstyle that that I uh, noticed when I was playing him, and that clearly are very effective since he's he's basically an undefeated champion at this point at mm-hmm. that store um was that he was playing very much to his own plan he was very good at setting up his strategy and then making you have to deal with it um and at basically the entire game i felt like i was reacting to his board you know it's mm-hmm. like he would play out certain sanctum cards or certain untamed cards and i'd be like oh no i have to get rid of that now yeah versus i'm gonna just generate my amber steal his amber and like play my own plan right um so i think that that is a pretty good approach to playing it and you know what's interesting about that too yeah. is when those moments happen and you're like thinking i can't let this go on any longer <laughs> i need to intervene let's get out of control which is it seems obvious in the moment oh you know my opponent will keep generating amber or yeah. my opponent will be able to keep doing this thing that i don't want them to do right. however there's kind of a you know a calculation that you need to do where you're thinking, well, how much like how close would I be to winning mm-hmm. if I just kept with my plan? Right, and so I think that's it. Right, it's just what Keyforge is. It's a race to three keys. Mm-hmm. It's a race. It doesn't matter whether my opponent can generate amber. If I can generate amber faster, then I'm going to be the one that comes out on top. Right, right. So obviously disrupting it in order to slow down your opponent. But it's not just about preventing your opponent from forging keys. It's about, can I forge them faster than he can? Exactly. Um, I think that's actually a really good insight. Um, and one that is not completely evident to people coming from other competitive games, right? I feel like with Keyforge in particular, you have to unlearn some of the habits and mentalities that you have coming from other games. It's true. It's hard. Because um, in other games, it is very much more of a direct conflict between your, your opponent, right? It's like, I'm trying to bring your life points down to zero. Or, you know, do this much damage to your whatever. Yeah. Um, 
but in Keyforge. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, you're right. It yeah. feels. I mean, and I still. I think I still am, uh, fall victim to this. Where I do too. This is a battle. Yeah, but it's I'm not a battle. Yeah, you. I'm not. Yeah, I'm trying to forge three keys. Exactly. Yeah, and if you're you know playing really smart about it, you'll know what gets you there faster, not what stops your opponent from moving forward right but what gets you there faster yeah what have you and that's not always easy to read and again right. the beauty of of the game yeah so that being said i think it's uh probably a good transition to the lessons that we can kind of take away from that first experience um from that first tournament um and any tips you could give to people obviously like we just said thinking about the game not as a direct kind of one one versus one conflict between you and your opponent but really a race to towards the win condition, which is forging those three keys. Absolutely. So, like, there's been such an evolution, um, you know, over the last couple weeks, over the last couple of days, up up until today, about how we've been talking about the meta. We've been going back and forth in our kind of... uh, Oh, yeah, we have have disagreements about... uh, The meta, how to evaluate decks, how to evaluate synergies, what's strong, what's not. Um, So, off the bat, I would say the deck that I brought... um, and we're gonna have all the all the deck information in the in the show notes and all that. But um, the deck that I brought uh, would would be considered off meta. And when I say off meta, I just mean it doesn't have shadows. Okay. Shadows obviously has um, or not obviously has a lot of steel. Your opponent's ember effects. Yeah, that's kind of their thing. That's their thing. Love it. Love the lore. Love the love the everything about shadows. Um, and obviously reducing your opponent's ember and your ember going up mm-hmm. is going to be a powerful effect in general. Right. I don't have any shadows in the deck that I that I had been using, um, so that's technically off meta. That's not to say that there aren't a lot of um, other cards in various houses that could do that. Mine didn't do that. That being said, what I learned was it's not really about the inherent cards. It's about actually over time. Like from there, I was like, okay. Bane switch wrecks me. You know what I mean? That's that was my first thought. Shadows is really hard. I need to make sure I can play around shadows, and that was like what I felt kind of coming out of it. Right. And then now, I think the mastery of a deck, and I I don't know if this has been your experience, but playing a deck over and over, whether or not it's it's meta or not meta, or you think it's good or you don't think it's good, I always find oh gosh like there's a combo here that I didn't see, or there's like a really great interaction that I didn't see. And more so than that, based on what my opponent has, these the interactions can be can change so much. And yeah. so knowing what could happen, not from a like a on a on a card basis, but um knowing like knowing what your deck can do for yeah. sure. Um and playing to its strengths in that game. Um is super important like the meta as it's being discussed at least in my experience you know online and all that stuff kind of speaks to it in a in a silo where it's like okay if i have these houses and they have those houses then this is probably how it's gonna go right um and i've been seeing more and more like having played since the tournament that if i can just be aware of what my deck's trying to do and then see what it's not good at and try and play to temper that or to um, be mindful like if this thing happens you know if my opponent does this thing 
I might be in hot water. Right. So how will I best set myself up with the deck that I have to mitigate just those scenarios? Not say, okay, I need a new deck with a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I think that's probably the biggest learning, you know, okay. coming out of that is not feeling like it is a meta game inherently yeah. and you're just going to get beat depending on what deck you have. Right. Um yeah, I mean, I would generally echo that sentiment of, of know your deck, and I think that is obviously a good rule of thumb to go by, but at the same time, I have a problem full, like, full-heartedly saying that because I brought a deck that I only played once before. Right. <laughs> at the same time, totally. to caveat that, though, um, it was very similar to the deck that I've been practicing. Mm-hmm. It just had different tools. So it was, this, uh, it was the exact same three-house com- uh, combination, um, was it the exact? That's amazing. The exact, yeah, that's uh, what was so uh, interesting to me. But anyway, um, same house combination, um, very much the same general strategy of, of steal things with shadows. So the house combination is uh, dis, shadows, untamed. So the general strategy is to disrupt your opponent with with this, with well, with both dis and shadows. So shadows right. is like your ember disruption for your opponent. And this is the kind of board disruption. And hand. And hand disruption. Um, and then Untamed uh, is kind of like a supporting house. Um, right. So, And I, I actually want to caveat that, uh, sorry to cut you off, but just that as much as we say that the houses are like this, all houses this is, have stuff that kind of goes outside those boundaries too. Right, and know? what I'm talking about is just the function of the house in that specific deck in that specific okay. i think in every deck depending on the combination of houses you have every house will operate differently mm-hmm. um but we'll go further into that in a in a future episode um but basically because it was so similar in the sense to the deck i had been practicing i think i was still comfortable with it even though i hadn't played it necessarily a bunch um and i actually one of the things that i think is very key to performing in this game is I think Keyforge is a game about flexibility, because I think, as you were alluding to, there's so many ways that the cards in your deck can interact with each other, and on top of that, the ways that it can interact with the specific cards that your opponent brings. Mm -hmm. And to be open to all the different possible interactions that could happen, and to see a new card and be like, hmm, that can interact with this card in my hand in a way that I have never done before. Right. Uh, But being able to spot that line and go for it, I think that's a huge uh, benefit to players, and I think that's that's a mentality that I try to bring um, when playing in these kind of events. Yeah, it, in a, in going back to what we were saying earlier, it rewards creativity. Yes, that yeah. you need to, like it's creative for you to recognize that thing, yeah. and that someone else might not recognize. Um, so then, also for I guess just general uh, advice for going to events, I just want to talk about kind of like broader stuff, like obviously everybody's going to be new at this game. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody has just picked it up within the last couple of months, so everyone's kind of still... People aren't veterans already, right? right. So I would say if you're going to go out to one of these events, be, be like, you know... Chill. Be chill. Be, <laughs> <laughs> be very, you know, understanding, patient with people if yeah. they don't know what everything you're... Like all of your cards do. Yeah. Like I would, I would actually, whenever I play something out, explain it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's something that the person knows, then I won't explain it again. Right. But, um, kind just, of not aggressively, but definitely being courteous. You um, know, definitely. Uh, I, I, I tried to narrate. Yeah. Much oh, as me too. Possible me too. just to avoid that. Um, 
and then letting you know letting them opt in and say okay feel free to stop me if yeah. i'm repeating something or absolutely. Is that something you absolutely yeah. know so being as explicit as possible with what you're doing with your deck understanding that the person sitting across from you might not know what the text on your cards say or like right. what they do may even misinterpret yes both of them yeah so you know being as clear as possible um just trying to just trying to make sure everybody has a fun experience you know yeah um if that's what you're after i think uh definitely one other tip um and i'd love to dig into this on a, on a later episode as well but um one thing i want to note and kind of a shout out to to alan here as well that um he was he was great to play with super courteous really nice guy uh, yeah really friendly and um i also came into that you know it's a tournament sure where people want to win yeah but at the same time um we, I mean, in my experience, no one was uh, so competitive that, uh, you know, if I said, oh, actually, like, maybe I won't do that. Or, or even <laughs> I would I would say, I'm going to attack this, your creature with this one. Yeah. And then he was like, like oh, oh, just so elusive. you know. Yeah. But yeah. He'd say, you know, just so you know, it's elusive. So you'd have to attack twice. Or yeah. actually, if you attack this one, you're, you'll die. Yeah. Uh, exactly. your, 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 your creature will get destroyed. He's like, so I don't know if you want to rethink that. Yeah. And so it was stuff like that that, you know, in a hyper competitive space, you wouldn't let that you go, wouldn't right? let that go. Um, but uh, you know, just again reminding this is this game is in its infancy. Yeah. We're all trying to get good. Winning is great. Playing and having fun is better. Yeah. Like that's for me the really what I'm looking to get out of Keyforge is just to have a good time with my friends and with people I meet and play with and yeah. obviously try to do as best as possible but I'm not gonna ever try to ruin somebody else's experience just so that I can push myself further right, right exactly and then that I mean that's kind of yeah in a competitive aspect it's easy to you know I'm at a tournament so it's easy for me to defend whether or not that was a cool thing to do yeah but you know what you got to live with yourself <laughs> after that and knowing that you know you essentially uh, forced, forced, uh, you know, rigid, you know, kind of opinion on what you think is how this should be run. And, right. you know, we're not judging you, but uh, it definitely makes the game, the game, and really that extends to the community and people's experiences well, yeah. um, more more fun or more positive or, or not. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's actually a really valid uh, point to talk about is this aspect of community around Keyforge mm -hmm. and obviously it's a very new game and so the community is still forming itself gathering itself together um, but you know the way that you form strong communities is not by you know alienating people with tense experiences or right. like very rigid rule structures the way that you get more people coming into the game and and ultimately benefiting all players is by being inviting and being you know patient and understanding and friendly yeah absolutely and i think um kind of the the competitive aspect of it is tempered by the fact that okay so let's say and i think alan's deck has chains now if, yeah. if you look it up on yeah. on, on uh, the, the master vault but if you know if a new deck that's really strong plays against a bunch of you know plays wins you know four tournaments against a bunch of people who haven't really gotten a ton of experience with their own decks yet mm -hmm. um or have said this is my best deck i'm going to bring it to the tournaments but it turns out the other deck they have laying around is actually, actually better, better and yeah. they haven't figured it out yet then from a competitive you know perspective 
no one knows what is really the best what is the most competitive uh the decks that gets that get chains and chained don't necessarily um mean that they're the best they just happen to be playing against decks and you know there's a skill uh balance there but ultimately what i'm saying is um being hyper competitive is kind of um i guess it's kind of overextending or, or you know using up your energy on something that um like to what end do does chaining a deck that you're not sure of its kind of experience across a bunch of decks like how does like how does that benefit you uh or or kind of the play experience in general um because that could that that isn't necessarily a reflection of the competitive landscape at large we're not saying like don't be competitive and don't enjoy i'm saying like just kind of a, a net positive gain for for your experience and people's experiences yeah. um that because it's not the, the the competitive landscape isn't set in stone it's still evolving it's still yeah. evolving um it's okay if, if if people um can you know take back their moves yeah and they end up coming closer to winning or or not obviously uh there's that is within reason yeah and i think it's definitely a good idea to maybe talk about how you're you know if you are going to be super rigid and act like your crucible online and once something's been touched that or said that's <laughs> set in stone yeah move, touch shake, exactly um at least voice that to the to, to the yeah person make, you're, make you're that at least against. clear on the on the outside of the game yeah and also hold yourself to those same standards right obviously right. um okay so then i guess just looking forward now uh to the future of this game I think obviously it's been like a smash success since its launch. It was sold out like in our city at least. It was sold out everywhere. They're printing money, <laughs> and, we and just I'm got, happy to, yeah. to to give them exactly. Money. Yeah, me too. I'm very happy to give them my money because um, we just got the second kind of like wave of stock coming in. So mm-hmm. now we're able to get decks again, whereas it was kind of like a drought before this. Um, but looking forward and in terms of like the long term, where do you see Keyforge going? Do you see it being like a a big phenomenon or like what's it gonna what's it gonna look like in a year or two years from now it's definitely hard to say if you know it will be the next magic the gathering right yeah but based on its current reception how it's just gone off the rails uh with its success and i you know i had no intention of picking up a new game yeah this was I like would... just you had no like uh, initial um, desire, even to be like, I'm gonna take up this new hobby. Yeah, it's gonna like you know. I, was, be I wasn't like, I life. have a huge gap of time in my life, <laughs> and I'm looking for you know, if you can sell me on it, it, it might could be you. Yeah, um, it wasn't like that at all. Exactly. It took it definitely uh, took me by surprise and by storm. I think the accessibility, the evolving gameplay, the fun with pretty much no matter what deck you're playing against another deck. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, all those things combined, plus the evolution of this game. If they add new houses, if they add new cards, if they added nothing, it would probably last a really long time. Despite that, yeah, the fact well, that they're one hundred four quadrillion possible decks. Right. right exactly. Like, There's like twelve zeros we'd after be that. Dead by the time we got to that number. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> um. 
it definitely feels like it's going to last a long time. Yeah, I think so too. And I think just the nature of the game, super easy and simple to learn. Like pretty much everyone I've introduced it to loves it. You can pretty much teach it in five minutes. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like the rules are so um, accommodating of anything you want to do. Yeah. You can play it any way you want. Um, and I think that that just appeals to people a lot more than than something that's, you know, oh, I have to spend like a certain X amount of weeks like getting my collection together. Getting good at it. Yeah. Reading about it. like yeah. what the top cards Being are, on the, the decks forums. are. Versus I can pay 10 to 12 bucks for a deck, open it up, start playing immediately. That's an yeah. amazingly low buy-in. Yep, absolutely. Fall in love with it. Um, I hope, I honestly want to meet more people who are like, I just bought one deck and it's the only deck I play with. Yeah. And I love it. Like, yeah. Once and if anyone out there uh, does that, please like send us <laughs> a message or leave a comment because uh, that I, awesome. we really want to see that deck and and hear about your experiences. Yeah. Um, but so I guess uh, where do we go from here then? Uh, what uh, kind of stuff are we going to be doing with this podcast? What can people look forward to? Uh, I think uh, you know. From a content perspective, what we wanted to do is one capture our experience, yeah, and also kind of reflect on um, what we're seeing out there, both uh, you know in the in in the real world, in the wild, at, at casuals and meetups and and tournaments, but also kind of on the internet and, and the greater discussion that's um, this amorphous blob of of different feelings around um, you know the memes, the love for the game, and the competitive aspect. Um, I think one thing that I personally want to be a champion for is not having hard stances on what the game is, yeah. what the competitive scene is. Um, it's just too early to tell. Yeah. It's too early to say that these things... And, and I don't even know if time is going to be what we need just because the infinite the infinite interactions between decks like how is someone going to nail down what the best is yeah you know what i mean and people are trying already of course yeah absolutely um and so we definitely want to drop this tidbit though um from a a deck rating perspective and there's a ton of deck uh rating um the great 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 resources online um where you can figure out based on you know what people have given rating systems for the decks on um and you can put your deck in and find out how your stacks up from a a number perspective or all these different kind of metrics and attributes um we put in alan's deck and it falls way short of of the decks that are considered kind of top tier top tier yeah yeah, highly ranked um an average deck it's, it's, it's in, in, in essence an average deck um, and he has a 90% win rate on the Crucible um, so I definitely want to kind of speak to that and I don't think I just don't think there's enough data yeah. for people to be making hard assumptions and I know people are you know you're more likely to be vocal when you're super upset or or, or, or butthurt yeah. um, and say oh this thing keeps beating me Yeah. and it's like you know there's a lot of reasons why that could be. I think a lot of people, too, are, are speaking on a very low sample size of games. Totally. It's like, how many games could you really have played? Did you play, like, a thousand games? Yeah. And really? Bait and Switch killed you at, like, every single game? Exactly. It's like, no, you had a really bad experience because Bait and Switch happened to be perfect to, like, wreck your Amber at that turn, right. right? And obviously, 
I'm not saying it's not a strong card, but I think to make sort of concrete statements about this is the best thing mm -hmm. in this game, way too early for that. Right, and it's very possible that, and, no, and, and it's going to be a thing where a deck and its randomness um, doesn't, you know, full-on counter, but has advantages that your deck is bad at dealing with. And that's a that's that's a that's a thing that doesn't necessarily mean the competitive landscape is reflective of that because there are decks that counter you know air quotes the decks that are considered meta yeah like there are things in the game or there are cards in the game um, and that's going to be something we all run into and that's I think that's part of the the love and the fun and and the yeah, excitement of that's different exactly you know, you know what I mean? it's that process of discovery. Of always having something new to look forward to. Exactly. I think is, is part of what drives people to this game. Um, and I very much look forward to kind of experiencing that myself and, you know, talking about it with you on this podcast and, and with everybody else online as we go forward. Dope. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see y'all next week.